This week on Double-Edged Sword, cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture, Father Joshua Wirth talks about the interior castles of St. Teresa of Avila. Father Joshua helps us to travel through to the interior. Divine Mercy Radio's on-air host, Cody Marincer, conducts the interview. I wanted to welcome Father Joshua Worth here in. He's going to be speaking on St. Teresa and spiritual war, uh, warfare. Father Joshua Worth is a native of Shinshin. He was ordained a priest in 2009 by Bishop Paul Coakley at Sacred Heart Cathedral in Salina. He's currently the pastor of St. Bernard Parish in Ellsworth and St. Ignatius Loyola Parish in Canopolis. Father Joshua also serves as the, as the chaplain to Ellsworth Correctional Facility in Ellsworth, as well as being the co-vocations director for the Diocese of Salina. So, Father, thank you very much for being in here. And, uh, you know, I'm going to kind of let you take it away and uh, let you you go where you want to go with this talk. Well, thanks for going through all my job titles. I feel like I'm doing (laughs) the work of four priests on there. And then uh, a lot of people know I do radio uh, shows on Double-Edged Sword, and I do talks at different groups. But I'm also assistant to the exorcist, so people always want to hear. Uh, more about that and um, so I was uh, gifted a book by my own my own dad called The Devil in the Castle about St. Teresa of Avila Spiritual Warfare and the Progress of the Soul by Dan Burke and basically it's a synopsis of one of the great works of St. Teresa of Avila she wrote uh, The Interior Castle kind of her image of the soul how the soul is, is getting closer and closer to God and but also the devil is trying to prevent that from happening so he kind of, uh, Danberg goes through uh, that book, also her autobiography, and kind of uh, puts them together so it's a little bit more simple to read. And he puts a very, he puts a very uh, powerful, couple powerful quotes I wanted to read that kind of grabs my, my attention just in the introduction to the book. But so we kind of think, well, uh, the devil is only doing stuff like we see in the movies, right? He's moving things around, he's scaring people, he's spooking people, um, things of that nature. And that's usually what people want me to talk about. But uh, no, he's the most common attack from the devil is is sin, temptations towards sin. So we could be in the clutches of the devil if we're in, in and not even know it because we're in sin, all right? We usually know if we're doing something wrong against God's will and against his commandments, but if we could see that we're captured by the demons and the devil, we probably would would get away from that sin a lot faster. So she, he starts the book off with two quotes from St. Teresa from her, uh, the life of St. Teresa, uh, her, her autobiography, and she shares these experiences. In one instance, Teresa describes how she turns cold and tense as she comes face to face with the eyes of two demons during Holy Mass as she knelt to receive communion. Quote, they are hideous with horns that seem to encompass the throat of the poor priest, she writes, and she averts her eyes from the demons and instead stares intently at the Eucharist, our Eucharistic Lord, and she says, and I behold my Lord in the great mystery of which I have spoken, held in the hands of that priest and the host he was about to give me. It was plain that those hands were those of a sinner, and I felt that the soul of that priest was in mortal sin. What must it be, O Lord, to look upon thy beauty amid shapes so hideous? The two devils were so frightened and cowed in thy presence that they seemed as if they were have willingly run away hadst thou but given them leave. So troubled was I by the vision that I knew not how I could go to communion. 
I was also in great fear, for I thought if the vision was from God, that his majesty would not have allowed me to see the evil state of that soul. So, of course, being a priest, that's <laughs> probably scared, scared me quite a bit that, um, that a priest, you know, might be a mortal sin. Uh, we know that that's possible. But do we realize that even a priest, if he be in mortal sin, he's actually, you know, encompassed by these demons. These demons are kind of wrapped around his throat. And if we could see that reality, would that scare us away from sin uh, all the more powerful? But St. Teresa kind of tries to wonder why God would allow her to see that. But that was also so she could understand this power of the sacraments that even through this, this priest that's wrapped up with demons, he's still present in the Eucharist. He's still present at Mass. And so as terrible as sins that a priest might commit, that doesn't stop the power of God to work through through the sacraments. And so a lot of you know, a lot of people might think, oh, you know, the priest that married us, maybe he left a priesthood, or the priest that did a, our kids' baptism, maybe he did some terrible crimes and he's not a priest anymore, and or he's even in prison or jail or sued or whatever it may be. And we think, well, did I receive Jesus all those years? Did I actually get baptized? Did we actually get married? If the if the priest was compromised in this way, if he was surrounded by demons, if he was enslaved by demons, was uh, that something that that we have to worry about? And Saint Teresa tells us, no, that Jesus is pushing through even that uh, evil, that mortal sin. But how, if we could see, if we could see mortal sin in our own selves, that it's demons, you know, wrapping us up, enslaving us in sin. You know, if that priest would have known that there was two demons wrapped around his neck, he might, he might have known he was in mortal sin. You know, you'd have to know to know that you're in mortal sin. But he probably didn't think it was a big deal. But You'd be hard pressed to find somebody to say, "Oh, you got two demons wrapped around your neck." Oh, that's no big deal. No big deal, right? No, we were like, "How do I get rid of this? How do I get rid of this?" And let me just say one more story. So it's not just about um, the priests, but another time she says, "I had a vision of a different kind, which frightened me to core. I was in a place where a certain person died, who, as I understood, had led a very bad life, and that for many years. But he had been ill for two years, and in some respects seems to have reformed, but he died without confession." When the body had been wrapped in the winding sheet, I saw it laid hold of by a multitude of devils who seemed to toss it to and fro and also to treat it with great cruelty. I was terrified of the sight, for they dragged it about with great hooks. So, um, and then she says, but when everybody else saw this body, when I saw it was carried to the grave with all the respect and ceremony in this common to all, I began to think of the goodness of God who would not allow the person to be dishonored, but would have... The fact of his being his enemy concealed. So again, we think, oh, he was a nice guy, right? So was this guy a Satanist? You know, this person that died, was he a Satanist? Was he a cult worshiper? Was he a devil worshiper? No, no. But he was led kind of a, a unchristian life. He kind of calmed down in his old age, but he never went to confession. He never repented of it. And so St. Teresa sees him being devoured by these devils, kind of welcome him into the grave, uh, not the arms of our Lord welcome him, but, but these uh, demons uh, welcome him. And it, it kind of gets rid of the idea of kind of the, um, the innocent civilian in the spiritual war. You know, like mm-hmm. it really reminds us of that teaching revelation when Jesus says, how I wish you were hot or cold, but you're lukewarm, yeah. right? So was this guy a devil worshiper? No, but he was enslaved by demons nonetheless because he was he died in mortal sin. 
So that's, that's the main way, that's a common way that the devil attacks us is by enticing us towards sin. And even though we never worshiped the devil, even though we never did anything occult, we can still, if we die in mortal sin, we, we die enslaved by the devil. Yeah, you just reminded me of a story of a priest who died and he was actually saved from hell um, and from by Mary. Wow. Um, and um, his story was he 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 met Jesus, um, and Jesus said, "You have done this." And he said, um, um, it, "It was just real eye opening because he said all he could answer was, "Yes, Lord, I know." Mm-hmm. And he said, "And you have done this." And he goes, "Yes, Lord, I know." And he said, "Because of that, you deserve hell." And he said. Yes, Lord, I know. Mm-hmm. And as you're saying, he hadn't done anything wrong. He said what he had done with his priesthood was he had used his priesthood to serve only himself. Right. Basically, pridefulness. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and so, yeah. Um, and, um, but it was at that point where Mary intervened and said, yeah. but son, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, and I don't remember where it went from there except for that mm-hmm. um, Jesus said, okay. He was, probably a good, he was probably a nice guy. A nice guy, exactly. But yeah. Um, yeah, and so he brought that message back. Mm-hmm. Um, because Jesus, um, Jesus brought him back from the dead and it gave him whatever time more wow. to then be redeemed and use his priesthood mm-hmm. for good this time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so that's the exact same message that you're using. Yeah, is, yeah exactly. Oh, but he's a nice guy. And, mm-hmm. and that's the exact same thing that we do is yeah. whose standards are we holding ourselves to? Right. To Jesus' standards yeah. or to ours? And, and I'm, always, I'm always amazed. I don't, I don't think they get it from my preaching. I don't know, but they... People that go to confession, sometimes they'll say, well, I'm doing pretty good, Father. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm doing that. I'm doing this. I'm like, what are you wasting my, everybody's time for, right? Yeah. You know, what are you trying to prove to me or to God that you somehow earned being a, uh, the reputation of a nice person? It's uh-huh. like, give me your – Jesus thirsty for your sins. Yeah. You know, like, give, give me your sins right now, not what you're, everything you're doing right, right? Yeah. But Not he, the good guy box. He, want, he wants – yeah, sometimes people want me to know – Really, pretty nice, you know, person, Father. Yeah. I'm going to tell you some stuff that is going to sound pretty bad, but on the whole, I'm doing pretty good, you know. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, uh, you know, I'm not. Another reason why I, I prefer to hear confessions behind the screen, so they can't see my eyes rolling in the back of my head. I'm just like, oh my gosh, just get to it, get to the sins already. Right? Yeah. So uh, her book, Interior Castle, she talks about. Just using the kind of quote from Scripture, Jesus saying, in my Father's house there's many mansions, she tries to give you the idea of a medieval castle with farther and farther interior rooms. And, and at the center room, of course, would be Christ. And so we always start out on, on the edge. And so she kind of gives the image of, a, of, you know, think of a medieval castle, and they always have a wall, right? So outside there would be unbaptized, you know, that you're totally defenseless against the powers of the world and the powers of the devil. And uh, when you're baptized, you're brought into that, that outer wall, and now you're in kind of the courtyard, right? So she would call this the, uh, you know, uh, the first mansion, a battle for the first mansion. And what's, what does the battle look like here? The battle looks like here looks like, well, kind of the the soul versus the world where we uh, have trouble telling the truth we have trouble you know following commandments we have trouble getting to mass we have trouble going to confession and so um, basically we were we're giving all this protection but what are we what are we doing with it right 
we're just kind of living out in a courtyard and we still have to deal with some some of the attacks of the enemy the courtyard the wall keeps out most of the attacks you know but not so you know vipers and snakes and stuff can still get in the courtyard and uh, hawks can still come down and pick at our faith um, you know, think of that story of uh, the other one that Jesus says about the seed scattered. We're kind of scattered there on the hard ground of that courtyard, and the birds can come and pick us up if we don't, if we're stay in the courtyard. So the Lord doesn't want us to stay in the courtyard. He wants us to move further and further into the castle. So um, what is what is the goal? To, uh, what is a process that moves us to the out of the first? A mansion, a courtyard, into the second mansion, and that would just be the normal stuff, the normal stuff. So, developing some kind of prayer life, right? So, um, that you're praying every day, and this is this is when people come to me for, for they think they're uh, having some kind of demonic attack or something. I say, okay, uh, how often are you going to church? Well, I haven't gone to church in years. Well, I uh, when's the last time you got a confession? Well, I can't remember the last time I got a confession. Well, how often do you pray? I I don't pray. Okay, you're you maybe you were baptized and so you're you got some limited amount of uh, protection, but now you're kind of uh, just out to the elements still in the courtyard. And it's like we got to get you into the, the first gate of the castle, and so you need to start going to mass every week, you need to start going to confession uh, at least once a year, is what the church says is the minimum, right? And uh, you need to start praying some kind of prayer every day, okay? So maybe Divine Mercy Chapel, maybe the Rosary every day, maybe just, even just five minutes of reading Scripture and just thinking, saying, thank you, Lord, you know? But some kind of prayer that you can do every day. That moves us. We start getting more and more strength now to uh, follow the commandments, to uh, fulfill our obligations towards the commandments and the sacraments and the teachings of the church. And, and now we're getting more and more protections as we move farther into the castle. So that would be um, the first, first mansion and then go into the second mansion. Right. Hey, how hard is it to just go and uh, no armor, no weapons, mm-hmm. and here we have an enemy that does not sleep, mm-hmm. does not need food, yeah. um, is, uh, you know, people, I think, uh, actually, Father Fred pointed this out to me a long time ago, and I was like, yes, that makes sense. We've, mm-hmm. we've turned Satan into the little red guy with a pitchfork, um, yeah. which actually is a lot better than a lot of people think of him, because a lot of people think he just doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. So either he doesn't exist, or he's a silly little creature that nobody takes seriously, right? right? And so if it's that, then we're just like, yeah, whatever, we can just shoo him away. Yeah. But actually, he has a high intellect than us mm-hmm. he doesn't sleep doesn't eat and, and he, so he's very powerful yeah um, now and he's been an observer of the human condition since the beginning of time yeah so he knows very well how yeah. we tick mm-hmm. um, so we're very easy to pick off unless we do right. what father we find we find the stronger man you know the prisoners really understand this like they've seen the oh, devil they've seen go. the devil and uh, they understand the kind of power struggle in be- between people with greater power and gang turf wars, things like that. So they've seen the devil and then they get to prison and they go, I need to find somebody to protect me, a stronger person than my enemies, right? And uh, By the way, Father Joshua Worth um, works in a prison in case yeah, you did not yeah, know that. Yeah, that was okay. the, yeah. There you go. Oh, it wasn't from my time in prison, right? <laughs> but uh, but uh, uh, yeah, so they, they know that they need protection of somebody stronger. So if you're being attacked by, by the devil, Jesus says, uh, I always kind of struggle with 
what he was talking about, but he says, if a, if a strong man arms his property, right, who can, who can defeat him but somebody stronger to tie up the strong man and, and loot the property? And he's talking about the devil is the person that's the strong man that has captured us, mm-hmm. and only Jesus can overcome him and set us free from, from being possession of the devil. So, yeah, we need that stronger uh, protection, and it's not going to come from our own will. A lot of people think, oh, I can outsmart the devil, or I can outplay the devil, or I'll find some magic uh, word that I'll control the devil. And the funny thing is we we see from exorcisms and stuff, uh, yeah, a lot of demons, they'll pretend, oh, you're so strong, you're so powerful, you got me, you you know my secret name, and oh, yeah, I, you know, they'll tell the witches and the Satanists that a lot of time. And uh, it's just all ruse to just get them in her. And then once they once they have them, they go, you you idiot, you know. Oh, they love you, that you, playground. You thought you had me, but I had you the whole time, right? So, no, we have to go to Jesus, who's who is infinitely stronger than the devil. And because the devil is proportionally stronger than us, but not infinite as as Christ is strong. So we need that we need that protection. So he, if we do those basic things, you know, we're following Ten Commandments. We're applying ourselves to the sacraments and prayer. Then we enter into that that second mansion, and uh, this is where we start seeing some of the the benefits of of Christ's protection. You know, maybe maybe we had some kind of uh, habitual sin, and we know it's wrong, um, but we're getting some some kind of relief from it, right, from the constant temptations of the devil and things of that nature. And at least we know if we, we are, if we commit that sin that we can go to confession. So maybe we're going to confession more than once a year, right? We're going when we know that we've committed a sin and we're just getting more and more graces into our life. And power of the devil is weakening, but it's also changing a little bit. He knows God is strengthening our will to the point through through discipline. Maybe we we put up a prayer schedule, like I'm going to say these prayers every time when I wake up, or um, this is my mass that I go to, you know, and I'm never going to miss it, and and things of that nature. He knows that God is starting to give us the strength to overcome our flesh and the world. So he starts slowly starts putting in other temptations now, the kind of the deadly seven deadly sins that um, we'll later talk about, but. Um, at this point, to get through the second mansion into, into the third mansion, we need to have, you know, we're, this, our mass attendance no longer sporadic. It's regular. Our prayer life is regular. Our, our sacramental life confession is 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 uh, more often because we're now seeing where we've sinned, and we want to go to confession right away when that happens. And so the devil is being frustrated because he can entice us to sin still, you know, break the commandments, but he knows that we're going to quickly just go go to confession. So he's starting to turn his uh, his attack a little bit. But we're, we're now getting out of the courtyard. We're now out of the, the front entrance of, of the castle. Now we're coming into the third mansion as well. We need to take a short break right now, but don't change that dial. We'll be right back with more about St. Teresa's Interior Castle with Father Joshua Wirth. We're back on Double-Edged Sword, cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture on Divine Mercy Radio. 
Father Joshua Wirth. St. Teresa's Interior Castle. Cody Marincer conducts the interview. Father Joshua Worth, you were um, you were ending us with some good thoughts there on uh, the the different the interior castle, basically making us think about um, the the walls of a castle and how we go mm-hmm. deeper and deeper into the safety of Christ and away mm-hmm. from the attacks of the enemy, um, back to where you were leading us. How do we get um, more towards the safety of Christ? Yeah. Then we entered the third mansion. I think this is where I think. Probably people that say that I'm a practicing Catholic, probably where they're at, right? So they, they're they definitely baptized. They're uh, no longer in the courtyard where uh, kind of their flesh and the world is kind of pulling them this and there. They kind of got a regular prayer life. They got a uh, you know regular sacramental life. You know, they're not committing habitual sins against the Ten Commandments. But then this is where we get another attack from, from the, the devil. And now he's trying to be more wily, he's trying to be more agile. And so uh, St. Teresa uses this time to talk about fear. Fear that why are we following the Lord, right? So fear of the Lord is actually one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And But there's the unhealthy fear, right? But there's healthy fear of the Lord. And I was taught in seminary that there's three types of, of fear of the Lord. There's the fear of the slave, there's the fear of the servant, and there's the fear of the son or the, the child. And the f- fear of the slave is that he's afraid of punishment, right? So we follow, we follow God because we don't want to be out there in the devil's uh, playground. We want to be in some kind of protection, right? Um, and we don't want to end up in hell. Uh, the fear of the servant is he fo- he follows the Lord because he's been told that he's going to get a nice reward if he does. He's going to get paid, all right? So he gets some protection of the household, and he he's not really doing it out of love. He's he's doing it out of uh, duty because he said he would do the job, and now he's doing the job, right? But he expects to get paid to do the job as well, right? So um, we call that kind of imperfect contrition as well. You know, if you remember one of the acts of contrition says, you know, I'm sorry for my sins because I fear the loss of heaven and the pains of hell. Pains of hell is fear of the slave. Loss of heaven, our reward, is the fear of the servant. But we say, most of all, because you're all good and deserving of all my love, right? That's when we start making this change in our heart where I'm not following God because I'm afraid of hell. I'm not following God because I'm afraid of losing my reward. I'm following him just because I love him because he's my father. And so I have this child-father uh, relationship with him, and I just want to do what's pleasing to him, right? So we're, we're leaving behind all the, all the sin, and we're walking into the sacraments and grace and life of prayer. Now the devil's going to hit us with, with desolation and aridity and prayer, dryness and prayer, so that we start questioning, why am I following him? You know, because it's so easy to follow Jesus when we're when we're getting great stuff yeah. out of it, right? When he had a lot of followers when he was feeding people and healing people, yeah, no right? Kidding. But then when it came to the desert, then when it came to the cross, then they're like, why am I following this guy? I'm not getting anything out of it. Eat my flesh, drink my butt. You're right. crazy, dude. Right, exactly, yeah. <laughs> so this is where we start getting hit with a new temptation of why are you doing this? You're not getting anything good out of it. You're not getting consolation in prayer anymore. You're not getting that first fruits of joy of receiving the sacraments and things that now you're kind of getting into a dryness. Now you're getting routine. Now you're getting into habit. And what are you going to do now? You know, the devil try, tries to whisper to us, 
maybe there's something more exciting over at the other church across town, right? Maybe they got better music. Maybe they got better preaching. Maybe they, got, you know, and the devil tries to say, you know, maybe all, all these people are just asleep and you're the only one awake, right? You're the only one that knows what's going on. And so tries to play on our on the desert going on in our hearts and and tries to to get us to um, go back out and maybe we're in the wrong castle, you know. Maybe we're in the wrong religion. Maybe we've got the wrong belief system because I'm not I'm not feeling a jolt anymore. I'm not getting that that spiritual high anymore. But this is where we have to press forward, even in the face of discouragement and desolation, and and go to that higher love, what we call perfect contrition, where where I'm God, I'm going to follow you, even if I never get another blessing in this life, because. Just the fact that you died for me and you gave me the sacraments, that's enough. That's I don't actually need another thing from you because I want to follow you because you're true and you're and you're good and you're just. Not because I'm, I'm you know, I put in a, a dollar of prayer and I, uh, into the spiritual vending machine, the heavenly <laughs> vending machine. I better get a dollar's worth of blessing out of it, right? Mm-hmm. We start to think of God that way. It's like I'm putting in my time. What am I getting out of it, right? What have you done for me lately, right? We sometimes think that too. It's like, yeah, you died for me, but what have you done for me lately, right? Yeah. So that uh, dryness happens. And, and we're tempted to say, oh, we're in the wrong castle, we're in the wrong place. But really, God is, is purifying us, using the devil's attack, purify us, so to say, now I want you to follow me because you love me, not, not just because, uh, uh, and God has all kinds of blessings he wants to give us anyway. Yeah. But that shouldn't be why, why we're following him. He, he died for us. That's enough that, that we follow him. But he has all kinds of blessings to give us anyway. But there will, in, in any spiritual progress, if we're making spiritual progress, there will be those seasons of dryness where, where we can't see the end of, we can't see the blessing or the grace moving in our life. But we keep going forward because we know God is, is good and, and true. Yeah, we all know. We all know this. I, in fact, I, I asked this in class, and every kid always gets this right. Like, where are the greatest gains made? And they, they know, especially in sports, and they're like, oh, yeah. when it's difficult. Mm-hmm. Even if they don't want to answer, they're like, yeah, I know. When it's difficult and when I have to push to get over that next wall, that's what it, it's never when it's easy. Because mm-hmm. when it's easy, that's like, you know, like when you're, if you're running, I'm a runner. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like when you're running and it's easy, you're like, oh yeah, I can live here all day. Yeah, well, who yeah. cares? <laughs> right. If you can live there all day, then that tells you that you're not pushing You're yourself. not at the right pace. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then also, you know, like sometimes the problem is we think that like either we're the only person to ever have gone through that mm-hmm. or that we're reinventing the wheel. Mm-hmm. And like, as you mentioned, read St. John of the cross yep. read um, mother Teresa they mm. both went through what's called the dark night of the soul mm-hmm. and for a very long time yeah if you think you're the only person to have gone through it mm-hmm. think again there yeah. are some big big time saints who went through it for years mm-hmm. and if you read those things then you can be like oh Right. Wow, I'm not the only person. Not this the only is... person, and there's something on the other side of it, too. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, at the other side of this, this is just like I was saying. Okay, mm-hmm. there, there, God is wanting me to, to come through the other side stronger. Yeah, so then we go into the fourth mansion, and uh, this one is kind of um, characterized by, by now we're getting not just dryness, now we're getting active distractions from the devil. And boy, do I hear this a lot in... In, in confession, 
Father, I want to confess I'm distracted in prayer, or I'm distracted at Mass, or I'm distracted. And so this is the devil's way of, and he does have this ability to um, you know, put thoughts into our head and, and make us think that we're, we're uh, wasting our time or uh, we, it's, it was all in our imagination. We start forgetting. It's like, why did I ever do, you know, why did I ever get married and begin with? You know, I, do I, I can't remember a good day. I can't remember, you know, why did I become a priest? I can't remember um, anything good that, you know, that why I did this. And, and we start getting, we start focusing on trying to remember that stuff instead of actually praying. And uh, we're distracted, so we got to br- always bring our prayer back to the Lord. Jesus, I trust in you, and G- you know, just say in the name of Jesus, or Jesus, my Lord and God, and and then bring that, you know, just repeat that until we're back, in, uh, you know, focusing on the Lord, and and the goal, and we're not looking at at the different things. Remember that story of of Saint Peter on the water, you know, bid me, Lord, and I I'll walk out there too, and he says, yeah, come on out, and he starts walking on the water. He starts walking on the water because he was his eyes are fixed on Jesus. Okay, then he starts to get over. Then he starts looking at the waves and he starts looking at the wind and he starts getting distracted by everything and he takes his eyes off Jesus. We kind of know this from, you know, if you're flying or driving or something, you always got to look at where you want to go, right? If you're like, how close can I get to the curb, right? How close can I get to the ditch? How close can I get to the side of this cliff? Then that's what we call near occasion of sin. Then we're we're no longer following the Lord. Now we just want to see how can we follow him from a distance? You know, that was the other thing St. Uh, Peter did. It was in our um, Passion Sunday reading that St. Peter followed him from a distance. He's still following. It's just not as closely as it was before. It's not as diligent as it was before. He's kind of getting distracted by the flowers and, he, and he's a little scared of the guards and, he, and he, this or that. So where can we um, bring that back to the Lord so that we can, we can move into the fifth mansion and the fifth mansion, let me say uh, real quick, is where when we start, um, we could talk about this a little bit, but we, we fall for another trap of the devil, which is we think being sinless is enough. Being sinless is enough. And uh, we forget that um, Jesus didn't say, oh, you know, in Matthew 25, he didn't say, oh, and you who are sinless, come and be on my right hand and enter, you know. He says, oh, you you did something for me, right? You know, you clothed me. You visited me in prison. You visited me while I was sick. And so um, Mary, you know, our Heavenly Mother, she's not she's not um, in heaven because she was sinless. She's, she's sinless, and then she used that freedom of being sinless to, to live a life of charity. And that's instead of just trying to, you know, we think, well, I'm getting distracted. I must not be saying the perfect prayer. I must not be saying the right prayer. I must be. And we get so distracted in trying to find the right penance or the right confessor or the right spiritual director or the right that and we think it's all about being sinless, but really to get into to even um, past the fifth mansion into the sixth mansion, we have to start doing those works of charity. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, we free. That, that it is great to remember that that yeah, when he's separating separating out the sheep and the goats, it is about the corporal and spiritual works of mercy. What mm-hmm. did you or did you not do for others? Yeah, yeah. So continuing on that fifth mansion, that last last of uh, you know, probably there's no uh, mortal sin. If we if we do commit a mortal sin, we know exactly what the, how to fix it and everything. And no habitual sin. 
and you know uh, this is probably where we all need to go but I've been seeing more and more of this of the of the fifth mansion and I just lost my my, um, my page there oh here it is so but I hear this a lot more in in prayer or people talking they always talk about peace or like well I was praying and I need to make this big decision and um, peace I have a lot of peace with this and St. Teresa actually warns against a, a false peace and the way to know the soul is on the path that God wills for it, that it begins in virtue, remains in virtue, and ends in virtue. So a lot of times we'll be praying, and we get this false peace that, oh, I need to make this decision. And so you tell everybody, oh, I'm making this decision, I'm false pre, I'm false, you know, and I got a lot of peace from it. Um, so don't question it, because I got a lot of peace. And then as soon as we endeavor on that decision, and the this first resistance comes up, or first frustration comes up, we we blow up into into anger and 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 whatever it may be, wrath you know and uh, and jealousy and envy you know, I think a lot of days of course people are struggling uh, you know the culture is struggling with the sixth commandment and with lust, but there's other sins besides that mm-hmm. <laughs> there's there's pride there's wrath there's envy there's jealousy there's greed. And if the devil knows he can't get you on one, he's like, well, they're not breaking the Sixth Commandment anymore. He's like, well, let's start trying the others. And so I see a lot of people that they're falling into pride and they get this false peace. And as soon as you, as soon as soon it starts um, unraveling a little bit, then they blow up. So it, it might begin in virtue, but it doesn't remain in virtue and it doesn't end in virtue. False peace is a realm of the soul beyond habitual sin, often begins with peace and then slowly veers off track and the soul finds itself in a place that is not intended or desired by God or itself, either in temptation against virtues already acquired or actually falling into sin or else being disquieted or anxious, worried, or mistrustful. These are all clear signs of the presence of the enemy. So St. Teresa even says this, the wiles of the devil are terrible. He will run a thousand times around hell if by doing so he cannot, he can make us believe that we have a single virtue which we have not, right? And I think a lot of um, the virtues the devil thinks, people that have progressed along a path that I'm seeing nowadays is people think they have humility and they don't. They actually have a spiritual pride, which I've talked about before. And, and they're under all kinds of attacks. You know, a lot of the people I've been getting recently for exorcism ministry are people that go to church, people that pray, people that go to confession, right? And they say, I don't know, understand, why am I having these, hearing these things? Why am I having this discouragement? Why am I seeing these shadows? Why am, you know, why am I, everything I, I touch seems to fall apart and I just blow up in anger, you know, when it does. And I said, well, uh, I don't know the exact reason, but you know, it might have something to do with what I've seen you've been posting on, on Facebook, right? And some of these people that come to me, they're really traditional people, and they're really angry at the church. You know, they'll be saying stuff like, all the priests were cowards during COVID, or the bishop's a heretic, or the pope's a false pope. And they'll say, I'm a really good traditional Catholic, but I just can't stand the priests and the bishop and, and, the, and the pope. And so they've fallen into, you know, Pride, they've fallen into pride that God has given us this pope, God has given us this bishop, God has given us our pastor, and are are they make mistakes? Yes, right? But for whatever reason, God has given us that. And so humility is to say, this is where God has planted me, and I'm going to grow. If I need to challenge 
you know what my pastor is saying, then I'm going to ch- I'm going to do that in respect. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to call him a coward, right? I'm going to say, Father, I think you might be mistaken when you say this. I believe the church taught in the catechism that that was that was wrong, right? So, and you start there, and he he says, No, you're wrong. Then you go, Okay, I need to go talk to the bishop. Bishop, respectfully, the priest says that this is wrong, but are right, and and the catechism says that it's wrong, right? And you might even get dismissed by the bishop and says, well, I just, I don't have enough priests to do anything about it, right? So then you got to take it to the Lord and say, Lord, uh, you know, I uh, disagree with what's going on, but it's your church, not mine, right? And so I did what I could, and maybe I'll even join with a couple other people that also want to respectfully, you know, correct this stuff. But, you know, so I said to this person one time, I said, I said, do you think the demons like it when, or don't like it when you uh, criticize the priest and, and the bishop and, and the pope. Well, they probably they probably like it. Yeah, they yeah, like it. Yeah, they yeah. do. But I pray. I, and she's like, I pray. I, I go to mass. I go, and they have to stop. You know, it's like red light, green light with them. It's like you are criticizing the priest and the bishop and the pope, and they just get closer and closer. And go, yeah, I like being around this. I like being around. And then you pray rosary. I go, okay, red light. But they don't run away. Because they don't run away till you go to confession and you confess, uh, I broke the fourth commandment. I haven't been honoring my spiritual fathers. Yeah. I've been disrespectful to them. <laughs> I've been publicly uh, blasting them online. And and I'm going to, you know, I've just been seeing so much of this. And people need to, to understand, you know, the saints struggled sometimes with their priests and with their bishops and with their pope. But they would respectfully challenge them. You know, we have St. Catherine of Siena that told the Pope he was wrong for living in, in France and you need to go move back to Rome, right? But ultimately she said, you're, you're the Pope, so whether you go back to Rome or not, I'm still going to pray for you. I'm still going to be obedient to you. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to do everything I need to, to do because you're the Pope. But uh, she said, I, don't, I love you, but I don't agree with what you're doing living in France, right? And God worked on the Pope's heart and said, oh, that was the... That was what I needed to hear. I, that's what I needed to hear. The Holy Spirit's working through her. That's what I needed to hear. I'm moving back to Rome, right? Because that's where St. Peter died. That's where St. Paul died. So that's where I need to be. If I'm going to claim their authority, that's where I need to be as well. And so um, they have, pow- you know, people have the power to change church history. St. Catherine of Siena, she was able to change. And she wasn't a nun. She wasn't a yeah. nun. She was just kind of a hermit. So, but so many people that I've just been seeing lately where they don't, they want to jump from their favorite internet priest to their favorite oh, yeah. internet bishop, and they 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 like a lot of stuff that Pope Benedict said or Archbishop Vigano says or whatever it may be, and and they won't ever you know say that they're praying or that how much they honor and respect the Holy Father Pope Francis and. They don't realize that the devil might not have them uh, wrapped up by the sixth commandment by lust, but he's got them wrapped up in pride, and they think it's they're actually being humble in what they're doing. You know, and this is this has got to be one of Satan's favorite attacks. Is definitely one, going back to what we kind of started with is um, as Satan. He knows us very well, mm-hmm. and he very much would love to go. Oh yeah, yeah. You used to you used to fall for lust. Mm-hmm. I would very much. Take, love to take that away and let you go, oh, look how good I am about not lusting at all. In fact, I got that mastered. Right. 
to make you fall to pride because pride, mm-hmm. um, especially uh, I, I'm going to agree with a lot of um, the saints that I've read and say that pride is at the center of all mm-hmm. the other sins, mm-hmm. you know, because it's the interior one. Absolutely, yeah. And, and if, if I was Satan, I think, too, I'd be like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. if I can get you to fall, especially spiritual pride, look yeah. at how much holier I am mm-hmm. than everybody else, yeah. Yeah. you know, and. Yeah, and, and I agree. I think um, very wise words said there, um, and especially or, to— Or you see people that they're very, very holy, but, um, you know, they're very rich, and they don't see that as a problem, and they don't give any of their money away to charity, and they don't use it to serve the poor. And it's like, well, greed is another another one he can wrap people up in. And they're, they're not—they're going to Mass. They're doing everything, but they're very—they have a lot of money. And how are they using it? Are they— you know, we have a teaching in the church, very difficult teaching to say, oh, I know where the dividing line is. But basically, uh, the teaching is if uh, if you've satisfied all your uh, needs and your future needs for your family, education, health, you know, security, whatever, housing, clothing, if you've secured all that, then anything above and beyond that belongs to the poor. And, uh, you know, we never put a, do- a dollar lot, you know, amount on that. Yeah. But as Fulton Sheen always says, uh, he kind of. He gives a great analogy. He's like, your your right to your second pair of shoes is not the same right that you have to your second yacht. <laughs> it's diminishing returns, diminishing right. Yes, you have a you have a right to a second pair of shoes, but do you have a right to a second yacht? No. That money that goes to that second yacht that belongs to the poor, right? So we all have to say that in somewhere, and and you see priests get wrapped up in kind of champagne tastes where. They need to have a beautiful house where they can have beautiful dinners and they need to have the most beautiful car and they need to have a blue one for the days that they want to drive a blue car and they need to have a red one for the days they want to drive a red car or whatever it may be. And uh, they get caught up in it as well. And we see that, with, especially with some megachurch pastors, uh, uh, you know, in Protestant thing, you know, they seem like really nice guys and they even, they even probably give to the poor. But do they need a private jet? Do they need the multi-million dollar mansion? And they say, well, I'm not Catholic. I don't have that teaching. But uh, it's, it's not just a Catholic teaching. That's it's right. it's in there in, in the Bible, right there when Jesus says to that you know rich young man, right? Give what you uh, you're almost per, you're almost. And that's, that's exactly what we're. Yeah. Look how far we are into the into the castle. You're at the fifth mansion, but you have spiritual pride, or you have spiritual greed, or you have spiritual envy. You know you can't stop being envious and jealous of other people. Uh, you have spiritual sloth. You think you've arrived and you don't have to do anymore, right? And so the devil gets us in another sin where we thought we were beyond sinning, but he captures us and making us think we have a virtue that we don't and gives us a false peace that easily blows up into sin or into wrath or, or anger. Or we think, it, we think it's peace, but really it was just uh, our way of getting out of maybe our obligations. Yeah, wonderful. We have about two minutes left here. If you could give us any closing thoughts that you have, and then if you'd be willing um, to uh, close us out with uh, your priestly blessing, that sure. would be wonderful. Yeah, so the last two mansions of that St. Teresa talked about, one is the sixth mansion. That's where it gets into really strange things um, most people don't have to deal with, and that is uh supernatural locutions so we start hearing things from god or we think it's from god but it could be from the devil so like the example used in the book is uh you know a woman is uh a married woman is taking care of her family she's washing dishes all of a sudden she hears she hears it uh, seems like the voice of god say leave your family and go join a convent right 
and well, it was really soothing and joining the comments a, a, not a good thing, right? But it's just not good for her. So it's when the devil tries to, to get us to stop doing our, our God's will and, and he replaces it with actually something that looks good, yeah. right? So he's like, you know, leave your family and go on a pilgrimage and, uh, uh, you know, you're not going to see your family for three months. Is that what's best for your family, right? Yeah. So, but it's good to go on a pilgrimage, right? So um, bringing that to prayer and, and trying to really hear the, uh, the voice of the Lord. And then the seventh one is when, when we really know the Lord's, uh, we're closest to the Lord, we, get, we have all uh, the supernatural virtues that we need, and we just have to maintain our discipline so that the flesh doesn't rise up and sloth and, and try, to, try to do that. So then we can be with the Lord before we even die, all right? Yeah. That's free from the devil, free from uh, the flesh, free from the world. We're not afraid of the world. We're only afraid of displeasing God. And we, uh, our only desire is not, not to get rewarded for all of our hard work, but just be pleasing to the Lord. And, and that's the state that the Lord created us in before the fall, and that's the state that he wants us to return to. And we can do that before heaven, before purgatory, if we continue down that way and avoid those those traps of devil, so wonderful. Let me uh, let me ask. Um, let's go to a prayer. Thank you, Father. In the name of the Father, Son, Son, Holy Spirit, Spirit amen. amen. Lord, we ask for blessing, protections upon our communities, our parishes, listening audience, even non-Catholics that are listening. We ask you to to bless them and protect them, protect them from all attacks of the enemy, both physical and spiritual, and through the intercession of Saint Teresa of Avila. Bring them closer to that risen Lord that we celebrate this Easter. And may Almighty God bless all of you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to Double-Edged Sword, cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture. If you're a business or service that can support this Double-Edged Sword show, please note that your underwriting will run three times during this show, which runs five times a week. Just call 785-621-4110. You're listening to Divine Mercy Radio 101.7 KJDM, Lindsborg, Salina, 105.7 KMDG, Hayes. 88.1 KRTT Great Band and 88.1 KVDM Hayes. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts.